Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Happy TGIF, everyone. It's me, Danko, keeping you company on your money today. Now, Asia-Pacific's markets will be quieter than usual today as Japan and Korea are closed. And this comes against the backdrop of, uh, you know, overnight on Wall Street where we are seeing a sell-off, a continued sell-off, in fact, with the Dow Jones Industrial Average falling about 0.86%. The S&P 500 slid 0.7%. And the Nasdaq Composite shed about 0.5%. Now, most notably, the Dow turned negative for the year yesterday, pulling back about 0.06% year-to-date. And all of this comes as banking fears were reignited on Wall Street, sending the three major US indexes into a four-day losing streak. And, you know, regional banks' shares sold off with the SPDR S&P Regional Bank ETF dropping more than 5% and some banks seeing volatile trading. So that's something that we'll be diving a little bit closer into later today. And joining us this morning to break down the latest market actions is Ryan Huang, good morning, Ryan. How's your Friday looking? Pretty good until you unpack all the bad news in the markets then. I've got, got some new, good news coming up as well. So uh, let's let's hope it's not all doom and gloom in there. But anyways, as mentioned earlier, market movements were significantly influenced by fears in regional banks with several stocks suffering sizable losses. And this, you know, on the back of regional banking peer Pack West Bangkok's 59% plunge in stock price on the back of news of exploring a potential sale, we are now seeing or witnessing another bank suffering the same fate. And that's Western Alliance. Its shares fell more than 38% during the regular trading session on news that it was also exploring a potential sale. But there's a twist to this. Turns out investors may actually have overreacted to fake news. What's the latest, Ryan? Yeah, it really is just more news around banks, more jitters. And it is starting to look like a game of dominoes. Mm. So we've got, of course, at the start of that, uh, I guess, negative um, reaction to SVB. We have First Republic and then now questions are being asked about Bangkok. And the latest is... Western Alliance. Mm. So its shares are down big time, more than 38%. And this was on news that it was exploring a potential sale. But it says it's not happening. It is not true. Huh. And it's come out to say that the story is absolutely false. Wow. There's no truth to this. It didn't really. It didn't even say we are not going to comment on rumours. It came out to say it's not true. So it's really coming out on the defensive to try to regain some of the lost confidence. And I think it's really uh, being seen as share price. Shareholders are just dumping the stock and just flocking to safety before they get any clarity. So it's a case of how the banking sector as a whole is just going through such a bit of a tough time right now. Uh, Pretty much everyone is under this cloud of you know who is going to be the next one, which is a shoe that will drop next. Yeah, and it's just facing a lot of uncertainty right now. And one of the statements that um, stands out is mm. Western Alliance says the bank has not experienced unusual deposit flows mm. following the sale of First Republic and other industry news. So, on the deposits front, it's actually not seeing anyone running away in a significant fashion. Right. So fundamentally, this bank and I think many other banks still have pretty okay fundamentals, but investors are, like what you pointed out, perhaps overreacting. Yeah, it's a bit strange, right? Don't you think that, um, I mean, 
which is uh, investors are actually moving based on speculations. And what would you say, you know, you, what, what's your take on the current outlook of banks in America then? Taking it can potentially be a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? When you have enough people running for the exits, the bank is not going to have enough cash or have any um, collateral to run the way it usually runs. So it can have an impact on the bank at the end of the day if enough people hit for the exits. So that's one yeah. of the dangers I think that regulators are uh, really watching very closely. Is there something they need to do to come out with statements or new regulations? Mm-hmm. So I think that is the... Um, big thing we have to watch out for next coming through from regulators. Will they be able to and can they or uh, do it? And when will they do it? Because every day we talk about a new bank in, in yeah. the headlines, right? Yeah. Uh, today is Western Alliance. Mm. Yesterday was Bank of West. And then come Monday, who knows who will be next? Investors can vote with their feet and just move their money elsewhere to other stocks and also deposits as well. Yeah, remains to be seen how all of this would unfold, but that's something that we'll be keeping track on for the next few weeks. And speaking of banks, the Federal Deposit Insurance is planning to release as soon as next week a highly anticipated proposal for refilling its deposit insurance fund, the DIF, which is partly depleted by the failures of Silicon Valley Bank as well as Signature Bank. Now, Ryan, what can you tell us about the timing of this plan? Well, they had to do it sooner or later, right? Mm. Because um, just to give some context, in the US, you have this DIF or deposit insurance in case any bank goes bankrupt or just disappears. Uh, accounts are insured up to a value of $250,000. Yeah. And of course, with the SVB saga, they had to really pay up on the insurance front for many of these accounts. Mm. And this is now having... I guess the potential scenario of being tapped on further with all these things playing out and they have to replenish it. So now they're not coming up with uh, this call um, to get banks to replenish mm. this common fund. But now they are potentially set to exempt some of the smaller banks from oh. contributing. So it's a bit of a, I guess, relief for them. And I guess it's good news for them because yeah. they are going through quite some... Uh, difficult times. Yeah. Do, do, you th- do you see this uh, having a huge impact on bigger lenders then? Like, you know, seeing how the regional banks uh, would potentially be exempted from this fee structure. Yeah. So you've got that um, to consider uh, how much this will impact them. But yes, they have to think about it as the cost of doing business. Okay. Uh, if the smaller banks don't survive, the wider system will come to question to some extent. So mm. uh, this is um, something that will be discussed. And I think we have not really reached any concrete details in the final form. So I think next week we'll get a bit more clarity. Okay, now, you know, the move to use the DIF to cover uninsured depositors has jump-started a long-simmering debate over whether the $250,000 cap needs to be raised. Ryan, what do you think is the possibility of relooking into this cap? Yeah, so how much is $250,000? Do you have that in your bank account? I wish I did. (laughs) For many people, for retail customers, they won't have that much. Yeah. So, uh, in terms of having to relook into it, it becomes a very political question who yeah. should be covered who should be protected who should be built out mm. and then of course you've got a lot of um, accounts with millions of dollars these are corporate accounts how many of these corporates should be covered so it 
is a very tricky question, but I guess it's worth asking these questions as a broader discussion yeah. for regulatory super- supervision no? because things clearly have not worked to some extent. Yeah, so uh, $250,000, um, I suppose it's for some exclusive uh, people, I would say. Anyways, let's talk, Let's move on over to some good news because it's not all doom and gloom that we're seeing over on Wall Street because we've got a company reporting strong earnings results. And if you don't already know, that's none other than iPhone maker Apple. It looks like people aren't sick of uh, iPhones yet, right? And they're still loving the iPhones. What's, uh, what's going on here? And walk us through the details. Yeah, basically, there's always a new iPhone to look forward to. Yeah. And more people are buying iPhones than expected. So if you look at what propped up the latest earnings, and this was better than expected, iPhones were a huge driver. They contributed $51.3 billion in sales. That tops estimates of $49 billion. Mm. It is a rise of 1.5% from a year ago. And Tim Cook says this came despite the challenging macroeconomic environment, right? Mm. People are talking about a slump in demand for devices. People were not upgrading as fast as before. Yeah. People were spending stuff, spending, spending money on other stuff, different priorities. Uh, but iPhones seem to be quite resilient. Um, but you have to also bear in mind that the other parts of the business, the iPads, the Macs, are not doing as well. Mm. And that is in line with the slump in demand. So maybe there is a different story with the attractiveness of iPhones. So that's something uh, we have to consider. It's not uh, consistent through the business. And if you look at the downturn that's affecting the wider industry, um, it is still a concern. Uh, if you look at sales overall for Apple, mm. if you could have everything, all the devices, sales are down 2.5%. Oh. And the company is warning that this could get worse. So even though there are some bright spots, uh, there are still concerns that the slump will continue way down in the next few quarters. Sales in China came in better than expected. That is also still a question mark if that can be sustained. Mm. Um, good news though, for investors, Apple has lots of cash. Wow. It's cash rich. So it's splashing on stock buybacks, $90 billion. So it's going to help prop up the stock price. Mm. And it has also raised its quarterly dividend to $0.04 cents wow. by 4% to $0.24 cents a share. So that's good news if you're an Apple shareholder. Fantastic. And, you know, looking at it, you, they've, in fact, did particularly well in emerging markets as well, pointing to record quarterly sales in Mexico, Indonesia, the Philippines, Saudi Arabia, Turkey, and the United Arab Emirates. So, Ryan, you know, it's funny because just a few days ago, you know, Qualcomm, a key supplier of Apple, actually raised fresh concerns about phone demand earlier this week. So it's a bit of contradiction between what they're saying. What do you make of this, Ryan? Yeah, it's quite tough to figure out these numbers and expectations. Um, mm. But if you look at the Apple earnings, another thing that stands out is um, even though the iPhone sales came in better than expected, yeah. it marks two straight quarters of declines for the Apple group business. So overall, it is going through some tough times. So that device slump story is still there. Yep. And even though we saw and up performance in iPhones, is this a trend? I think that's the question. Is this yeah. just a blip you know, as maybe people had a reason to buy in this quarter? Will that mm. continue in this next quarter? 
Uh, and of course, you've got competition as well. Yeah. So we'll have to see if this is a trend in the making. I suppose it's like, you know, managing our expectations and each quarter, we're just lowering and lowering. Mm. And then we got to take a closer look or a, a wider look at things uh, to see how they've been performing uh, over the bigger picture. But anyways, thanks for that, Ryan. Let's move on over now to the AI sector, where we've got Microsoft announcing that it is working with advanced micro devices on a chip maker's expansion into artificial intelligence processes. What's the latest on this, Ryan? And what does this suggest about Microsoft's involvement in the chip industry? Yeah, so it is interesting because, like you pointed out, Microsoft is trying to get more involved in the chip space. So it's a bit of vertical integration of sorts, trying to get into the other parts of the value chain. And for a long time, NVIDIA has been the big boy in chips for AI. Mm. Now, AMD is the other player that's starting to step up with the help of Microsoft. So you've got more competition and maybe that will help Microsoft bring down the prices of these chips it needs to power its AI stuff. So that is a development to keep an eye on. Yeah, and like, you know, you know, shares uh, after news of that, shares of AMD jumped more than 6.5% last night and Microsoft gained about 1% as well. Meanwhile, NVIDIA, not so good for them. Their stock declined about 1.9%. And as you rightly mentioned earlier, the arrangement is part of a broader rush to augment AI processing power, which is super great in demand after the explosion of chatbots like ChatGPT and other services as well. Now, Ryan, how do you see this affecting NVIDIA and how much of an impact would it have on the company? Yeah, I don't think it's going to be a big blow because the AI pie is just going to get bigger. So there's going to be yeah. enough for everyone. And I think looking at what Microsoft is signaling, it is going to continue to work with NVIDIA alongside AMD mm. and on the NVIDIA front is going to be using it for training and running its AI systems and right. trying to milk even more efficiency of the current processes. So with NVIDIA being in the industry for so long, yeah. it's got quite a an entrenched position. So there is very little reason for anyone to break up straight away with NVIDIA. But um, worth noting, it has competition. Yeah, it's uh, interesting, a little bit of a conflict of interest here, would you say? I guess it's good to diversify your options. Yeah, that's a, that's one way to look at it, diversification. And yes, it's like what you've mentioned, NVIDIA has been uh, the key chip supplier for choice for many providers of tools inclu- for generative AI, including Amazon's AWS and Google Cloud. And even Elon Musk, you know, he has secured thousands of its processes for his AI business. And creating an alternative to NVIDIA's lineup might actually be a challenging task. So we'll keep a close eye out on this story as it develops over the next few weeks. Anyways, now we're going to move on over to the Friday's edition of Up or Down. And if you know, or if you're a regular on the show, you would know that this is where you, you're going to guess whether it's going to be an up or down based on a topic or stock that I will be picking. And... Ryan, are you ready? Uh, Let's go. First on the list, I've got Peloton. All right, Peloton is the exercise equipment maker Mm. which had a good run during the pandemic. Yes. Not so much anymore because its earnings are disappointing and you've got it under pressure on many fronts. So it's just not going through a good quarter. Oh dear, yeah. It's down for me. 
Okay, Peloton is uh, it's probably going to be a down for me as well. You know, they've recently disclosed that they've identified a flaw related to the seat on its entry-level bike. A problem that's affecting a small fraction of customers and they're still working on a solution with US regulators. I think this builds upon the, some of the previous stories that they had before on injuries with uh, their bikes, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, and the net loss for the latest quarter Peloton is reporting is... Mm. $275.9 million. Mm. That's compared with the loss last year of over $750 million. Mm. And it makes it nine straight quarters in a row that the company is reporting losses. Ouch. Ouch there for Peloton. We're going to go with a down for Peloton. Moving on to next one, we've got DoorDash. All right, DoorDash, the equivalent of FoodPanda and GrabFood in the US. Yep. That is an up for me. Wow. And this is as we see deliveries and revenue going up in the US. People are just buying more food, groceries, convenience products. Mm. Maybe they are just getting used to ordering in. Are you lazy, Ryan? Do you find yourself ordering in? Um, I try not to because it can add up the prices, especially oh, yes. with the markups. So uh, as much as I can, I just take that trip downstairs and... No, get what I need. Interesting. Yes, DoorDash is definitely going to be an up for me riding on the laziness of people. Delivery demand is expected to raise this year as well as core profit. Uh, that's according to the core profit forecast. So DoorDash is going to be an up for me. Next on the list, we've got Moderna. All right, Moderna is um, up for me. Surprise profit. And this is because of some uh, delayed numbers coming through from some of its sales mm. based on um, COVID-19 vaccine. So these were defa- uh, sorry, deferred payments for orders that were def- from last year. So a bit of accounting coming through favorably for Moderna. Yeah, this one's going to be an up for me as well. And it trails Pfizer's, you know, in the share of global COVID vaccine market with the latter holding nearly two thirds. And in fact, you know, we've talked about how they're expected to perform in a post-COVID world. But surprisingly, they're doing a lot stronger and stronger than expected sales in the first quarter. So that's going to be an up for me. Let's move on to the next one. Ferrari. All right, Ferrari is up for me because Mm. it is... Still making a lot of money. First quarter profit jumped 24%. Wow. That is, for any company, very impressive. Profit jumping 24%. And this on the back of shipments rising 10%. So we've got rich people buying more cars. And not just buying more cars, but also the customization for each car. They are just selling more of these extra options and features. So the profit margins are up. So 26.9% is the latest profit margin. That's up one full percentage point. Wow, my goodness. This is, uh, you know, inflation is not stopping rich people from buying luxury cars. We talked about Porsche yesterday as well. They've reported positive earnings. So Ferrari is going to be an up for me. In fact, you know, they even stopped the shipments or the production for one of its uh, models. I'm not sure if I pronounce it correctly. I, oh, you know what? I shan't pronounce it. Anyways, but yes, this is going to be an up for me. Ferrari, high in demand. Let's move on to the next one. We've got Icon Enterprises. All right, Icon is... Well, I will go with dumb, um, up for me. Yeah. It is issuing a dividend. And this is, of course, after it was attacked by short-seller Hindenburg Research. So it's giving a dividend of $2 per unit to investors. So good news for them. Yeah. Shares are higher plus they get extra cash. Yeah, hoping to boost some confidence in their share prices. Uh, dividends of 
$2 per, sh- per unit to investors. So I'm going to go with an up for this one. Last on the list, we've got OUE Commercial REIT. All right. If you look at the REIT, is first quarter net property income is up 18%. Wow. So this is good news, driven mainly by higher contributions from Hilton Singapore Orchard and other Singapore commercial properties. So that's an up for OUE Commercial REIT. Interesting, yes. This is going to be an up for me as well, you know. Uh, strong first quarter reflects a good starting point for this year for them. Wonderful. All right, thank you so much, Ryan, as always, for the comprehensive breakdown of what's the latest happenings in the markets. We'll catch you again next week. I hope you have a wonderful weekend ahead. Meanwhile, continue to keep it right here with us on Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.